0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network, a little old network I started a couple years ago that I'm super proud of. You should go check out our new website, sandyboyproductions.com. Get signed up for our weekly newsletter where we send out the show notes. And I don't know if you know this, but I also host a podcast for parents called Why Is Everyone Yelling? (laughs) Um, Perhaps you've said that before if you are a parent. Uh, but the episode this week, I just wanted to share here real quick. It's really good. It is with Julie Lithcott Hames, and this is a guest I've really wanted to have the sh- on that show for a while. Uh, she's the author of the book, How to Raise an Adult, and uh, we talk about raising independent kids and not over-parenting in that conversation. It's one of my favorites I've put out on that show. I'm proud of it. So um, if you've been thinking, ah, I kind of want to try that episode, that that podcast, this might be a good place to start. It's just so it's called. Why is everyone yelling? Uh, all right, friends. I want to give a shout out to Parker Stinson for being so vulnerable on the episode last week and sharing about his diagnosis with bipolar disorder. I know that that has helped several people, and I just I don't take it for granted when an athlete comes on this show and really shows. Vulnerability and share something that's really meaningful and important and hard in their lives. Um, I don't take that lightly, and I just really just want to give him some extra kudos for for coming on and sharing that with everybody. So thank you, Parker, for sharing your story on the show. Friends, I've been doing some Instagram lives as well. If you want to check out my Instagram, it's LindseyHine626. We just had Josette Norris on over there um, interviewing Elise Cranny this week. By the time this episode comes out, that'll be out already on Instagram and we're going to put it up on the podcast feed next week as well. So make sure you check that out. Having a lot of fun over there. Today's episode I'm excited about. It's with Grace Gonzalez. Grace is one of the founders of Angel City Elite, which is a women's distance running team based out of Los Angeles. The group and its mission were set in motion after the 2020 Marathon Olympic Trials and then accelerated further after the events that sparked the social justice movement later that year. Reflecting together, each member mutually agreed on feeling little resemblance of self within the running community and wanted to create a shift of awareness and inclusion. Running has long represented opportunity, connection, vitality and growth and the thought that members of any community would feel barred from experiencing all that this sport has to offer is unjustifiable. Angel City Elite came into motion as a collaborative effort of female elite runners looking to make a statement of representation in the running community while chasing both their athletic and their personal potentials. Now, Grace ran in the Olympic trials in 2020. Uh, She has a 241-56 marathon PR. When we had this conversation in February, she had just raced another marathon as well and we're gonna talk about how that went and what that meant to her. She's also had a big job change this year and we get to hear about her culture and how important running is. And she's got a wild story growing up, how much she ran as a child and it was just a normal thing for her. But I thought it was so, so cool. Uh, And then we get to hear about some fun stuff at the end. Grace shares with us her favorite concerts and bands. And I thought that that was really fun as well. I'm a big music lover myself. Uh, If you do love this episode with Grace, leave us a rating and review and share it with your friends so that new listeners can find the show. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Gooder. Go get yourself a pair of Gooder shades. They're fashionable. They're functional. They have so many fun colors. If you don't know about Gooder, where have you been living I feel that I see them everywhere and I love that they have any style you can think of. Go to gooder.com another and use the code another 15 five for 15% off your order. Links to that will be in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Enjoy my conversation with Grace Gonzalez. All right. Well, today on All Have Another, we have Grace Gonzalez on the show. Welcome to the show, Grace. Hi. Thank you for having me. Awfully early over in uh, California for an interview, 8 a.m. How are you feeling? Yeah. Um,
1: I'm, I'm fine. You know, I usually do my training in the morning. So my body is somewhat used to the morning time and the earlier times, although this past week, in the past few weeks, I've been on recovery, so I have been sleeping in a little bit more. Um, but I'm at the end of that recovery time, so um, kind of it helps me get into the swing of things and gets me going on to this next cycle of
0: whatever it is to come. So when you say morning, do you normally go at like 6 or like 7 or 8?
1: 6, it depends on what day it is. If it's a workout day, closer to 6, 6.30. Um if it's an easy run between six thirty, seven.
0: I just cannot get myself to do a workout so early in the morning, like a, a real workout. Yeah, it's
1: you know, I this cycle it's been tough for me. Um, but in the and prior years I've trained earlier than this. So I kind of was like, Oh, that's interesting. Um but I, I actually prefer I find my it's hard to get going, but I find that I, I feel more ready for it and have more to put out there than at the end of my workday. It it gets me, it's a little bit more of a pulling of strings to be like, okay, let's go, let's get this um, at the end of the workday.
0: Oh, totally. I know. Well, there's a reason like people, if they can do workouts at like 11, (laughs) like not early, not late, not so late in the day that we're tired yet. Um, well, I'm so excited to talk with you and learn about your story and share your story with the listeners, everything you guys are doing at Angel City Elite. Um, super, super interested in the family history of running because I've, I've heard that your dad is like the marathoner in the family and he's like a legend at the LA Marathon because he's done it for 25 years. So maybe let's start there and you can share with us like, Did you really run a marathon when you were in fourth grade? Yeah, yeah.
1: So um, my dad did his marathon, young adult. First LA marathon was the one that he had ever done. And then he kind of just always did it. He was a boxer at that time. And like part of his training was doing running. And then he kind of just got connected with running. And some of that comes from our our background of, of culture and ceremony and stuff and having ties to running and running within community and stuff. Um, and he found it, it was the running and the running experience was supportive for him and it was something that, that he enjoyed. And so he kind of returned to the LA marathon every year. And of course, the more you do it, the more like, "Okay, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, So by the time siblings and I come around, you know, that was just a thing we did as a family every year is went to the marathon and, you know, going to a marathon, um, even just cheering, most people express being inspired, motivated, wanting to like do something like that, you know, so doing seeing him train. Um, a lot of his training would be running from home to my grandma's house. And so we would start off on bikes halfway and then eventually it's like, Hey, like transition. Now we get to run the whole way. And it was just seemed like an adventure, the training and just the, the race day and stuff. Um, and yeah, we just all kind of filed in and my two older brothers did it. Um, my other brother were, close in age. So we kind of jumped on at the same time to have each other, um, during the race. So that way we always like buddy system had each other. Um, and yeah, we, we signed up and we did our first one. Um, mine was in fourth grade and I don't really have much memory. I just remember school and like people being surprised and stuff. But to <laughs> me or like adults being surprised. Um, but to me, um, it was nothing new. It was like part of my life, so it never phased me. Of like, oh, the, how how big it is. And now that I'm an adult, and I see like students, students run LA was a thing then, but seeing students run LA and like even just seeing youth wanting to take in the marathon and stuff, Um, I'm like, wow, that that's like an early an early start if knowing that interest and stuff. And it just it I stepping back, I realized how much that that comes off of being a in fourth grade running a marathon and. Um yeah, so from there, my brothers took on running and being the youngest of, of four, I kind of just always followed their footsteps. And I did I did running. I did youth youth track, um, then did cross country in high school, uh, which had some um, club cross country in there. Um, I was I, my, I went to two high schools and I intentionally transferred for running. Um, within my district, um, because on my, at my first high school, I kind of was the only, uh, female athlete and I didn't mind training, um, with who was there like junior varsity boys and the varsity boys helping me and stuff. Um, but I was always in races. It was, I can never advance because mm-hmm. I wasn't top three in the race or only those many. And a lot of those people had teams. So even though they were within a team, like they it, it never worked out that I would advance, um, even though I was close, like I was always in the range of numbers. But because I was in that, I never advanced. And a nearby high school that we see um, that we kind of cross paths running in the same city and stuff. We have we have relations and friends across teams and stuff. Um, they had a full girls team and a lot of them were my age. Um and a lot of more people I was finishing around in race day, and they were always advancing. Um, so it kind of popped in our head to to maybe transfer. Um, and for me it was scary being in high school. I went three years at that high school, and I was going to transfer my senior year. And so, I I didn't have an I, It was more just to have the experience in this. T- at that point, I had no idea of college. I had no I had no interest of not not even like. What I wanted to do, if I wanted to go to college, if running was even a thing, I was just enjoying running. Like it wasn't about performance. I was just enjoying enjoying the experience. Um, so I transferred, and yeah, we ended up getting second in state. I don't we won CIF. Um, there was a lot. There was a lot that came with that year of that transfer, and there was a lot that came with me as an individual. I learned more of myself uh, as a learner. I kind of the red light or the light bulb. Um clicked off of what I wanted to do and there were just things that were clicking together into like next steps being a senior year, senior year in high school um, was getting approached for for scholarships which I had no like no plans of that and or having a full ride scholarship or even just approached um, by some of the schools that were approaching me. Um, so yeah, it was it, it was, I think, it was a big takeaway to, to do that transfer, even though it was scary. I learned a lot about myself as a runner, as an individual. Um, and it kind of opened doors for me that I'd never thought were there. And that kind of becomes a lot of my story. You know, I take jumps that are scary and then things just come out of, of like it's a learned lesson and there's something more that I never thought I would see myself in that I'm actually stepping into. Um, So, yeah, going into college, had a full ride. And that's where my relationship with running changed. Um, I think that's where I lost the the authentic enjoyment and fun. And I don't think that that's to say the program or anything. That was just me and putting expectations on myself that I thought I needed to be as a D1 runner. Mm. And... Yeah, I, I had a nice strong start to college. And then once things weren't clicking, um, I kind of put that back on me, like, maybe it's gone. I, ha- I got injured, which was my first injury towards the end of my college season. And I never had done or I've never had gone through an injury that put me out for like a year. So I had to red shirt and I thought like the comeback was going to be a quick comeback. Although People, I mean, nowadays there's a lot around and talk around injury and the journey and it's not like a quick, especially if you have to take a year off, it it's going to take a year, another year to like actually get back and stuff. And I was on myself right away of like, got to hit the same times, got to do this, got to do that or comparing myself to like when I first started and when some of my stronger years um were happening and wanting to finish strong. And that's what I wanted for myself. Um, And it just wasn't happening and putting that pressure of performance on myself. um, I think I would say that, and then there was a, another moment where I was like, Whoa, running has been more than just running. Like I have this, a relationship attachment to it and it's so much identity around it that I just didn't know wh- what I was, who I was without running or that, the fact that even if I'm not performing, like I'm still a runner and I'm still worthy, I'm still good enough. Um, and so because of that comeback, I kind of was just like, maybe my time is done. And also very similar to why some, some of ACE is like, I just didn't know opportunities that were out there after college.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and or the balance of like, I could still pursue running to a certain level and go career wise, you know. Um, I just didn't know those opportunities were out there. And I think now it's again, these days it's a little bit more. there's a lot of running groups. Um, there's a lot of different communities that you could jump on and and whatnot, but I that I just that wasn't um, like just accessible, I felt like. Um so I went straight into my career field and just thought running was done. <laughs> and I did running for fun. Um, well, I wasn't a consistent runner at the time. I just friends who knew I've ran and know I enjoy running, um, would just be like, I want to do a marathon and knowing I still did marathons, but I didn't train for them. I just jumped in with them. Um, how many marathons have you ran run? I think it's, I, you know, I've lost count. Uh-huh. Um, but I think it's a little bit under 20, so it's like 16, 17. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I would just jump into things for fun. And I took about like, I think five years off of, of running and just doing random, random things with friends when they wanted to, but not really any training or anything. It was just for
0: sort of fun. What were you running those marathons in? I like mean, you weren't training, you were just living your life. When I did them alone. So there were some I did in groups.
1: So, you sure. know, I worked, worked with a group. Um, I think they were like four hours, four thirty. but okay. then there's some that I did solo um, During that time,
0: and they were like 316, 312. Okay. So, like, if you're not training and you're running a 316, 312, there's a lot of potential there. But I, I never knew that. Yeah. Like,
1: it was never aware to me. I was just, okay, now
0: you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> now your marathon's 241, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'm still so intrigued by this, like, how the running began. I mean, my oldest son is in third grade and I can't imagine him running more than three miles. And he's a, he's an athletic kid. And like, we are outside being active all the time. So it just had to be like ingrained in your family.
1: Yeah. I mean, my dad also did regular training runs and stuff. So it was like, even if it wasn't to one grandma who was like 18, 20 miles away, it was to one grandma who was like five miles away. Mm -hmm. So it was always just, his training was always around. So then it was just something we had always done. And it was something that within training for that, um, we also did a lot of other um, indigenous prayer runs and stuff that, that required a lot. Um, That was a lot of miles within a day. So it was just, the idea of doing a lot of miles wasn't,
0: wasn't a big thing. Okay. Tell us about the indigenous prayer run. What, what does that consist of?
1: Um, So there's, there's a few that we would take part in uh, for different communities that, that are um, looking for some type of, of change or looking for some type of um, prayers, whether it be for individuals, whether it be for resources in the area, um, whether it just be for global, Global global impact of like changing the way we we work with um, nature, changing the way keeping cultural ties within our our communities and whatnot. Um, so it would vary uh, which ones we did, and some some would be weekend long, and some would be just a day, and some um, in that same time. I think coming off of going into that marathon year, we had done a prayer run for a whole year. Um, from uh, Chickaloon, Alaska to Teotihuacan, Mexico. So it was like um, across from continent to continent. And so this is like a prayer that's globally um, for all the nations and the nations we ran through, um, whatever their immediate community needs and learning more about them and providing support for their fight and whatever it is that they're need, whether it's, you know, uh, and there are different things. and just kind of restoring and and keeping cultural relations within the communities.
0: Okay, so I just want to make sure I get this right. Did you you ran you started in Alaska and along the way down to Mexico you met with the different communities and you ran the sure. whole way, your whole family.
1: Um my dad and one of my brothers um we it 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 works like um what is it like? A leapfrog thing. So we didn't run all okay. of those miles, um, but we we took on um, if, as a, as a community, as a group that were tra- we're, were traveling together. It, sometimes it would be fifty miles a day. Sometimes it would be hundred miles a day, and would we would leapfrog those miles. And sometimes we did we did chunks of like three miles while the person ahead did three miles. Um, so it was running every day from sun up until we got to the next community.
0: Wow, that's so cool. Do you guys still participate in in that? It's because it was supposed to
1: happen. um, It happens every four years, but because it it was right when the pandemic had started. um, And so I'm not too sure where it's at with with when it's going to pick up or whatnot. um, But there definitely have been, I mean, within the pandemic, we've seen a lot of... um, communities still fighting for these different resources and access and a lot of things going virtual or, you know, social media now has, has heightened a lot of these, these prayers and these intentions and the runs, um, and purpose of running. And it's, it was part of our purpose of running and it still is a purpose of running, um, that I tie to.
0: Hey friends, a quick break to share with you about a new product a new sponsor for this podcast that I am loving, Portland Bee Balm. Beyond the amazing quality of their balm, Portland Bee Balm is committed to creating sustainable products, which is hugely important to me. They are members of 1% for the planet, which means they donate 1% of revenue to organizations tackling our planet's most pressing environmental issues. This is so cool. Products that are useful, natural, and add value to people's lives and the world. Portland Bee Balm provides the best hydration for your lips with clean and simple ingredients. Since I put balm on my lips multiple times throughout the day, it is so important to me that the products I'm using are clean and effective. Portland Bee Balm has so many different varieties of scents, but my favorite is the Organ Mint. The ingredients they source and the packaging they use all support health and well-being to the environment and community. So, awesome. Friends, go to portlandbeebom.com and use the code SANDYBOY for 20% off your first order. All right, back to the show. Talk to us about Angel City Elite and why you started Angel City Elite and, you know, the importance of running being more inclusive to everybody yeah um so
1: angel city elite comes um it it, sabrina was the one who approached us um we were all friends before um we were all we we all kind of trained together um not not necessarily side by side but supporting each other from a distance and sometimes side by side training towards the last olympic trials Um, so we found community within each other. Um, and then once we all traveled for the actual race, um, you know, it was a new experience for all of us and the crowds there were, were massive. And although a lot of us had already traveled before for big races and whatnot, um, I think this one was just more feeling of, of awareness of like, we didn't feel, there was a lot of representation within ourselves. You know, there were a few and and you get this automatic like camaraderie or or whatnot. Um, And so as we reflected on our experience um, in a, of like the representation and and being proud, at least there, there's some representation, but it wasn't enough. And they had come out with statistics of the actual breakdown of um, representation at trials. And it was, it, it was pretty obvious that there was a lack of representation. Um, and so um, we got the idea of Sabrina had had brought, was the one who brought it up and it's a conversation we've had before with one another. Um, but got, got an idea of like, why don't we band together and create a team and see if we can make an effort to make a change for the next trials or just in general, make a change of that representation And so, yeah, we had agreed. And around this time, there was a lot of uh, in that time of 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 it all. There was a lot of things going on with um, running being inclusive, um, specifically with with a different um, society, things that were happening and the injustices that were happening to to black folks specifically. Um, And we wanted to and it was just kind of like a timely thing. Um, We were we were. There was a lot going on and we didn't want to take up that space. Um, mm-hmm. But in behind the scenes, we were still working and trying to make it also inspired us to keep going. Um, but it also became a little bit more like, is this going to be bigger than than what we can take on? Mm-hmm. And part of it was like, well, we." it, it kind of became intimidating. Like, no, we just got to keep going because this is part of what we need to do. And yeah, we we. Kind of took it upon ourselves we didn't really know what what was going to come of it but we took it upon ourselves to um approach people and ask for their support or ask their thoughts and and we got a lot of responses um and again this time there was a lot going on where we were very mindful of our people just wanting to um, hit the diversity quota and, and is that what it is? And so it it, would, it became a very conscious like, okay, we have to be mindful of this because it's not about, um, it's not 100% about us and just having this this support. It, it also comes with, okay, how are we going, how is this going to ripple out and how is it going to um, do more of an impact? Um, and so then that also made us get a little bit stronger in our missions and our values and what kind of things did we want to do. Um, and want to see happen. Yeah, and we decided um, to partner with Brooks, and and um, Brooks was very supportive and is still very supportive in, in a lot of ways. Um, and now it's just kind of figuring out what we've done. Um, again, during the middle, we announced during the middle of the pandemic, and there was a lot of things that we um, envisioned to start out, but that just wasn't happening because pandemic you know we had to be mindful of of one another families community um and so we started off a lot virtually we 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 announced and were received very well um and it was it was it was it was overwhelming for us because right away there was a lot of interviews podcasts um we wanted to do more than just interviews and podcasts but like we couldn't host an event because of everything and it was like how do we and, and this is all new for us too so it's like How do we do this? Um, And we had a lot on our on ourselves of what we wanted to put out there. And we also had to had to realize and and Brooks was the one to remind us like, hey, you all are human. And this this isn't this isn't going to be a one year like expecting to see all this change. It's it's going to be a journey. And um, in the middle of that, all of us were also going through. Individual transitions of um, Sabrina was expecting and now has her baby miles and uh, Andrea was getting married and um, I was in a job transition. So on top of already balancing running um, of our own and life and um, also as a team, it's it's still it it takes work (laughs) to do the back end of it all. Um, So yeah, we did our best that we could do. We had a few events. Um, we're coming up to our one year mark of announcing. And so um, we're, we're happy to have a few events with the community. Uh, in the beginning, a lot of folks had asked, what is our focus? Who is our focus? Um, and we didn't have one direct answer. We, we wanted to see change and we wanted to see more diversity. Um, and that doesn't start necessarily with adults. You know, a lot of us have different experiences into running. Some of us started youth. Some of us started high school, college. Some of us started, and and I don't think anyone from the team started outside of um, college or just like started as a hobby as an, a young adult or something. Um, but there are people out there who were part of OTQ or who can, if that's something they want, like it can happen then too. Um, So it was from our personal experiences and people that we know, it was hard to just pick one area to, to target, you know,
0: that's so interesting that you say, yeah, it's like, it's, it starts with youth. I mean, it really does. Because a lot of times you develop these lifelong habits and loves when you're like you did when you were a kid. And it's so I kind of interrupted you, but I'm just curious, like, are you guys like, thinking of, like, getting into schools or something like that to try to get kids involved?
1: Yeah, so that's what's been a majority of our work this year has been with the youth. Okay, Um, that's so cool. We did something, I think, at the beginning of the school year, um, around September, um, with a good I think it was like 50 to 70 youth um, from different schools. And we kind of did a goal setting with them before their cross country season and just kind of shared some tips um, that we have or things we've learned, especially from uh, cross country years and ways to approach it and, and how to set goals. And a lot of our where we are now is because we set goals and we've learned like this balance of goals, Um for ourselves, so kind of just giving things that have worked for us, and and giving it to them, and at an earlier age. Um, when we went to Houston, we did a community event with youth, um, and that I think that was a little bit over a hundred youth um, that we had, and very similar. They, a lot of them, it was their first five k. So even then, just doing their first five k, um, it ranged from middle school, so like sixth grade to high school. We had some high school athletes. Um, and yeah, doing the first 5k with them. Um, we, we actually ran with some of them, gave them, you know, this uh, tips and tricks of, of how to go through a 5k for a lot of them. It feels like a marathon. A lot of them are like, when's it, when are we done? Like, how do we go through this, the pacing and stuff? And, um, it was very, it was fun. And we went back and we, they had breakfast and we did a workshop for them very similar to goal setting and also, um, a lot of them were asking, "How did you get here?" Um, and so, sharing our experience um, and sharing the things that, like, none of us saw self saw ourselves in that space, in that position. And part of getting there was believing in ourselves. Part of getting there is also building community with others, um, and and also just being open to opportunities. And also knowing that um, you can. It doesn't. You can start at any moment. Um, A lot of us, uh, like for me, returning to running uh, in the middle of middle age 20s, not thinking this was not my goal. I was just returning to running because I felt like I needed running. Um, And it just worked out that this is where I am.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned like being at the trials and feeling like there wasn't a lot of representation. It's a it's a very like white field of people. Right. So you grew up running. So you're like comfortable with the running scene, but I imagine for someone that's not comfortable with it, that hasn't been doing it their whole life and they show up and it's just a bunch of white people running, they probably feel uncomfortable. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and to be honest, that's something that I, have always felt, (laughs) um, that I was, um, I, I, I was one of a few out there. Um, And I think recently in another um, talk that I was having, someone had asked who, who was my idol. Um, And I didn't really have idols because I didn't see myself in anyone. Um, And that goes to that. Like I did running for myself, but I was never invested in running because I never felt like it was like, I never, I never connected with it because outside of running within myself, because I just didn't feel like, it was, it was me or like that I was in there that I, I could be in there. Um, and the only person who kind of stepped, who the only person who came to mind, um, would be Brenda Martinez. Mm-hmm. And we actually raced together in high school and kind of are familiar with each other, high school and college and stuff. And that, that's someone close in age to me. Um, but even then, yeah, as an adult, um, In high school or in college, I had, I think I had a a nice team that I didn't feel that. But when we went to races together, it was when we traveled for races, it was more apparent. Um, So I think it was never in a lot in my immediate teams, especially my first high school and my college. um, But it was always then going into like a competition or race um, with the larger crowds. It was, it was. More apparent, and even as a young adult, uh, when I went to races, there's people who, you know, I I am still very much tied to my culture, and that's a lot of a, a lot of people that I'm around, and a lot of people who would hear that I was a runner who don't know my story or like initially just meeting off would be like, running, that's a white people sport. Like, why do you do right? Like, I've had multiple people express that to me, like, you're a runner, um, and or if I express to people that I am a runner and the uh the extent to like, it's not just, you know, running. Like I, I intentionally have to train and put in and like the level of running that I do. A lot of people are very surprised that a person of myself, um, is at that level. Um, so the, it it was things that I got then. And I think there's still things that I get now. Um, and that's, that's part of why we do what we do. That's
0: really cool. Um, do you, when you're racing, or like doing hard workouts, do you incorporate that like prayer and meditation into that still today?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's in, I've realized I'm a stronger runner. Um, and I feel better in running space, especially on those days when I step back from watch my step back and I just let myself be. So connecting to, to nature, connecting to myself and in that way, it's kind of like a meditative state. I, it's like, um, I think within myself and then within that, these natural things stick out more um, within the nature, within the elements that I'm around. Um, and within that, when when I get into that zone and get into that space, the, a rush of other thoughts and other prayers come to mind of like purpose of running. And it goes back to kind of those prayer runs and the continuings of runs people within community come to mind and and then i focus on them and their prayers and i focus on the things that um that they may need or the thing that what they've given to me and they're part of my community so um it's kind of like this mirror of motivation and support and prayer and so it's it in my mind these are these things um that are going that are giving me strength by putting strength out there for them um And I mean, people come to mind, communities come to mind, um, words, songs, um, I guess in a way it's kind of like mantra, um, come to mind that, that empower me and that keep me grounded and keep me, those are when it comes back to like ego mind or ego self coming, Like those are the things that reground me and re-put me into a space and remind myself like, the compassion. And then also it just spreads out to, um, some of those things that started me and running and keep me grounded and running.
0: Yeah. That's really beautiful. It's like, I was just reading a book. I forget what book it is, but it's like when, when we become like super self-focused, that's when like things go bad. So like when you're like, you know, you're like thinking of the other things, not just like, oh, this hurts for me. Oh, why am I doing this? Like as soon as you start saying I, 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 that's when it seems things go awry. Hey, everybody, a quick break here. I want to let you know about Therabody. I know a lot of you listening to this podcast are running quite a bit of miles. And part of upping your game And being able to take your running to the next level is making sure you're getting the recovery that you need. Recovery Air is a groundbreaking pressure massage for everybody, anywhere. With Therabody's exclusive fast flush technology, Recovery Air flushes out metabolic waste more fully and brings back fresh blood to your legs at three times the speed of competitors. This will help you have a faster recovery. Therabody's Recovery Air Jet Boots are the first of its kind. They're truly wireless for anywhere, on-the-go recovery, boosting circulation and radically reducing muscle soreness. And thanks to Recovery Air's super intuitive, easy-to-use, one-touch controls, recovering faster is a breeze. Listen, I love that you can just take these things on the go. So if you're traveling after a race or anything like that, you can take these with you. So sit back, relax, and recover. Go to therabody.com slash another to get your Therabody Recovery Air today, starting at just $699 or as low as $59 a month with Affirm. Plus, the Recovery Air's 60-day money-back guarantee and free shipping. There's no risk. therabody.com slash another. All right, back to the show. Okay, so... With with Angel City Elite, like, what are your dream big goals? I mean, you're a year in, and obviously, you just went through like launching during the pandemic and trying to balance like how much we do, all all these things. Like, babies have happened, people have gotten married. Where do you guys see yourselves in like two, three years? Um, Well,
1: the next the next thing is one of the um, intentions is to see a little bit more diversity in, in the OTQ and to also um, be there for, continue to be there for youth or people transitioning out of college. So a lot of the things that we felt were not accessible to us and really uplifting those accesses to, to people in those spaces. And um, I think for us, it's doing more community events to, to spread that awareness and to also again, give that access Um, we've honestly had a lot of people express the need and, or the desire for them to have their own kind of like group. There's people who, who have established, you know, a more intentional purpose of creating groups that are of diversity. Um, and it's not just in our, in our immediate SoCal community or whatnot, um, it's in other states, it's in other communities. And so, um, we're not too sure, but there's obviously a need for it. And there's obviously people interested in whatever we can do to continue seeing that kind of, um, ripple. Uh, we have some, some thoughts in mind of, of what it can be, and we could branch out more. Um, we just don't know how, or one thing at a time. Totally. Um, yeah, and and for us right now, that's continuing the momentum of events, um, continuing to find the groove of of this balance and how much we can take on, um, and seeing if it works. It's kind of like kind of like training. You we put out our goals of having so many events within a year and seeing if it feels manageable, seeing if it feels not, um, if it feels too too back to back, and what else we can do, and how else we can do it if it's not events, um, to keep getting things going and the wills going. And also if we can't all immediately be there um, for events.
0: Well, I mean, you're doing it. I, I just, I always feel like you think that people think about like what they hope things will be or what they want things to be. And you get frozen and like, I don't know what step to take. I don't know what to do, but you do something. You do one thing. And so you guys have this ball rolling and I think it's a beautiful thing, even if you're not totally sure what it's going to look like, you know, in two years, in five years. But um, that's pretty cool that you guys were able to just do an event down in Houston. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, we'd like to do more and also it just goes back to do more events. Um, It's something that we enjoy. It's something that we're all passionate about. It's something that um, we really like working together in, in building and preparing for these things. And I mean, I think if if that could be something we that's all we can do. I think that's something we could do, but then we also have to balance in like we have to have our, our job that also keeps us afloat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Gotta pay the bills. Um, yeah. I know that you were doing um, yoga and you were teaching at some point. What are you doing right now? Yeah. Um so
1: I am a director of an after school program.
0: Okay. Um
1: educate youth has always been that's the one constant thing for me Mm. um of where I feel well that's a passion for me of where I feel I need to be is with youth Mm. um I've done teaching Uh, I've been in the classroom I've been a classroom teacher and for me that was just rough because I would train at four in the morning Mm. Mm -hmm. Um so I was trying to find some and and I was I was experiencing burnout as a teacher but my passion was still there and There were things within my classroom experience that um, I wanted to put more in for for students and families, and it wasn't being fulfilled 100% in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where yoga comes in. A lot of the yoga that I was doing and my intention of getting yoga, um, my yoga certification and stuff was to bring it back to communities and more specifically um, with youth. So a lot of my Teaching of yoga has been with youth and not adults.
0: That's so cool. Um,
1: and that was for a little bit. That was a a, a pocket of time that I was kind of self-employed, um, doing contract work with after-school programs, um, volunteering at high schools, trying to get a contract. Um, but it was just it's hard to do that and get a contract in schools, um, and or to keep a contract. When it's like a yearly cycle that that they decide, um, and then the pandemic hit, and it was just hard to keep that afloat um, virtually, and or to figure out, you know, with with um, restrictions and stuff, what spaces I could get in and what I what I could do. Um, so I had to figure out what was next, um, and with these new things coming up that I want to make space for, like Ace, um, I also needed something stable. Um, and so, yeah, I, again, of course, with kids still. And so I'm, I'm an after school um, director for, I'm at a K-8 school. So it's nice to be with a little one still. Um, but specifically, I manage um, an after school program for middle school students.
0: That's so cool. I love that so much. That's amazing. So what then, what time do you, I mean, you're probably like doing programming stuff during the day, but you're there after school hours. So what do your hours look like? Yeah, so
1: I'm there during the school day. I I go in around ten o'clock. Okay. Um, and I and I'm done at six thirty. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's not it's it's not too bad, and also it it's it's also a schedule that I'm getting used to. Okay. I thought I would have more time, um, and I do. But I'm also finding I need to restructure to get in strength, to get in my recovery and also to just to feel like I have downtime and not so much of a quick turnaround of needing to go to sleep since I'm getting up early. Yeah, Um, that's tough. Yeah, so I thought it would be a I mean, it is a nice schedule because I can I don't have to get out at four in the morning anymore to get my run in. Um, I do get more light. I do get to sleep a little bit more. And also I'm finding that maybe I still need to get up earlier. But it's it's to do the other things as well versus before as a classroom teacher, I would do my strength after school because I still had a few hours. But now coming home at 630 and having to make dinner and stuff like it just gets a little close to eating late, going to bed and or still sometimes I still do my strength um, right after if I couldn't get in in the morning.
0: Yeah, that's tough. It's like if you get if you're like home by the time you get settled it's seven, want to get to bed by like what, 10? It's quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah. And to
1: just have some downtime at the end of the day. Yeah,
0: everybody wants to like watch a show or read a book or do something, put your feet up. Yeah, yeah. Wh- which of those things do you do? A little bit of all, depends. <laughs> what are you watching right now?
1: Um, Right now, I just started, what is it, Midnight Mass?
0: Oh, I've heard that's really good, but I'm kind of nervous. It's a little creepy for me.
1: Yeah, I just started. So I, I, I'm still in the feels of it. Um, but my partner and I were watching, oh gosh, Hush, I think, a movie. Okay. And it has the same – it has the, – the main character in that movie is a similar character in this. And he had already watched this show. So it was kind of like – there was a lot of connections to that movie and this show. And I was kind of like, okay, I'll check it out.
0: Yeah. I I've heard a lot of people saying it's like really, really good. But I'm just – I always watch TV at night and it's like, I don't know that I can watch anything creepy right before bed. I'll get weird dreams.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that, that sense. I don't get weird dreams,
0: but it, it is sometimes there
1: is a little bit of moments of like, okay, I don't want to end the day on that. Right. So I'm going to read, um, the book I'm reading right now is the alchemist. i rereading that one.
0: Ah, that's I have a, a lot of books. That's a that reread. I-, I, you are the second person I've interviewed this week that mentioned the alchemist. And, um, I read that book when I was probably like 23, maybe 24. So I think it's time to revisit it. It's so good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then sometimes I feel like I've been doing too much uh, screen time, whether it's shows or scrolling or um, I'm not in a in a reading state. I'm trying to get back into my kind of like ending of the day of meditation practice. Um Or something just down where I'm not on the screen or anything. So it's like listening to a podcast and rolling out or just sitting there. Um, I've recently been wanting to do more like creative stuff and artsy stuff, which I have. Whether it be coloring or oil pastels, I'm by no means (laughs) a master in, in, in anything of that. But I just really enjoy tapping into like the creativity feeling and the fun feeling of, of coloring or doing some type of art project.
0: Well, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately too because I am constantly reading something or listening to something, a book, you know, an audio book. I've got, and I'm reading three books at once. I'm doing all these things, input, input, input. And it's like, if I really want to be creative in my own, like I gotta, I gotta get that noise out. You know, like I love reading. It is like a huge passion of mine. But sometimes it's just too much input. And like Mm -hmm. you're saying, like with coloring or pastels or whatever, it's like that's probably the space and running, I'm sure, when you'll probably think most creatively for things you're going to do with your after school programs and like Angel City Elite. It's like that's where those ideas come.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: I think part of my creativity has been recently
1: output of, creating the workshops and, you know, figuring out what, what we have to create and do for, for the team. Um, but I think now it's, it's, it's the, I enjoy that. And also I'm more individual creative solo. That's not attached to a project and just
0: fun. Just enjoying <laughs> your life. Just like literally doing something for fun. Yeah. yeah. We should all do that more often. Really? Yeah. Um, Okay, so we mentioned earlier your marathon PR is 241. Um, When you ran the trials in 2020, the standard was 245. Now they've dropped it down. It's 237, right? Correct. Okay, I was nervous I was going to get that wrong, even though I was like 90% sure. Um, Tell me your feelings on that and your goals and what, what you are thinking. Yeah. So when
1: I ran the 241, it was not in the game plan to run 241. The plan was to just be sub 245. Okay, just to get the qualifying time. So when I ran 241, it was very, it was completely a larger or, a, you know, it was it was a significant difference of what I was aiming for and when I got. Um, And I never, I never realized that that potential. Um, And so now hearing 237 is, is scary. Mm. Um, And also I know that 245 somewhat sounded scary, but that was, that was something that I was able to accomplish. And it's kind of the same in sense of it's scary. And I know that there is potential and I could accomplish it, accomplish it. It's just a matter of going down and putting the work in and kind of, um, figuring it out. And I think this time, I, to, to be honest, a lot of people were going for the OTQ. And I thought, maybe the next time around, so this next cycle, because it was not in my plans to, I was just getting back into running. And I did the idea of, oh, I'm going to qualify for the Olympic trials was just like, no, I'm just getting back into running. Um, so I had initially said, maybe the next one. Mm. But once I did like a two- My first kind of like, okay competitive marathon, let's see where I land with my coach um, was like 250.
0: And so he was like, it's in reach. You still have time to get it. And when was that? Like what year and and month was that? To be honest, I don't know.
1: (laughs) I'm not attached to these things. I just, you know, it's the journey and it's experience. Um, I would say
0: maybe 2016, 2017. Oh, yeah. So you definitely had time. Yeah,
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it was early on and I definitely, when I qualified, I still had time, but, um, yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, so knowing that that was my experience, Mm -hmm. um, I think I just kind of have to approach it the same way. I think it's going to take it now that I'm in this, into this extent, I have to remember and go back to like my lessons of college of, of the balance of, um, I have to keep enjoying running, Mm -hmm. um, Running time, and this is something that I'm still working on in my training, like I do better by effort. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times where having these time goals, especially a time goal like that, and getting in my head of times, um, it's something that just gets challenging for me. Um, And so I know it's something that I need to work on because I do need to feel comfortable with time and and knowing where I'm at in order to hit a goal, um, so I'm still trying to find the balance of that. If that makes sense.
0: Oh, totally. <laughs> and I I can imagine like that. It feels stressful. I think most people would relate to that, regardless of the time they're running. Like it feels stressful when you obsess over, oh my gosh, I have to run six twenty pace or five fifty five pace or seven minute pace or nine minute pace, whatever your goal is, like. That starts stressing you out and you start obsessing over it and thinking, how the heck am I going to do that for 26 miles?
1: Right. (laughs) And that's not healthy.
0: You don't want to obsess over that. Um, What is your coach? Are you still working with the same coach? Yes. And what does he say about that mentality and focusing on effort rather than, I mean, because it's like, you have to know the pace, you know what I mean? Like you have to know what you got to do, but how do you guys balance that in your training?
1: you know, it's, it's having the compassion. Mm -hmm. Um, I always express, you know, the times that it's, it's more difficult to hit times and, and get worked up with the paces. And then there's times where I flow. Um, and it's just, I think it's a trust. Um, and it's, it's a trust and that's something I'm still navigating. Um, because there are times that I feel good and I'm a little bit Overpace, But then I also know I don't always have those days. So then I have to take that for what it is and use it as a next cycle, because there are days where I can't hit it. And then it's a low. But I also just have to, it's, a, it's this trust of like, today was a good day. I do my best to keep it where the goal is. And sometimes if it's a good day, I, I kind of ride that. Um, because I know that those days aren't always accessible to me, especially, um, this, like this past cycle, I did a lot of training on my own. I mean, and it's hard to do those paces and do those times and, um, like literally on my own. So just also having the compassion for that and trust of, of communication of, you know, this wasn't it. And, and so recently coming off of Texas and our conversation of it, like we know if I'm going to hit OTQ, I got to get comfortable with, I am going to hit OTQ. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get comfortable with a certain pace and my body is strong with distance and marathon distance and I enjoy long miles. I really struggle with the speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's what I have to um get comfortable with the uncomfortable and I think it's going to take some time for me and step away from in those speed times of Of that because you know you can there's always a table of like if you hit this in a marathon time like you could hit this and that hasn't always been a thing for me and this is where it's like numbers and seeing things on media and seeing things where people how it sometimes it is a parallel for people and seeing like well it isn't for me and not taking it personal being like this is my this is what works for me this is my training and their training is different and that's okay
0: like, you're saying, like, a, like if there's, like, if you can run this for a 5K, you should be able to run this for a marathon, whereas, like, your 5K time might not technically be that fast, but, like, you know where your strengths lie. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Um, so knowing that when I step into I'm, – I'm going into a, a cycle where I'm going to do more shorter stuff, and also knowing to not hold that – those standards over me or those, like – expectations over me, um, because that isn't my end goal. Um, my end goal is to build, to get the marathon pace time comfortable under my belt. So it's kind of just keeping things in perspective. And that's kind of how my coach and I work, um, kind of keeping in the present and taking things one step at a time. Um, and that's something I appreciate my coach of, of always being flexible and understanding that, um, we put a lot into our training, and we put a lot into our time, and also we're humans that are balancing a lot of other things going on. And um, some weeks are heavier weeks, and that comes out in the training. And some weeks, you know, for some reason it's it's a high, and take it for what it is. And so I, with my life transition right now, I'm still coming back to that balance, and you know, and that's and that's part of it. Running, I recently expressed I didn't have um, a goal race in in Houston. Um, But I also recognize that it's not always going to be highs and there are going to be some lows and reflecting back on my transition um, that I'm doing right now with work and pandemic and like other things within life. um, You know, that's just that's just where it is right now. And using this as a stepping stone of um, the next the next few cycles and remembering what my end goal is.
0: I love that. Like reminder too that you don't have if you don't have a goal like you don't hit your goals at a certain race like that cycle is not a wash like all that work is is still matters it still matters for what your next marathon you train for and I think people get hung up on that they think Ugh, what a waste of those 16 weeks or however many weeks it was. I didn't do what I set out to do, but if you're a lifelong runner and you're going to hit a, try to hit another marathon that, that work is there and it, it meant something. Yeah.
1: And it's also, I mean, for me um, r- personally, right away in the race, um, I had to, the, there were thoughts of like, okay, this isn't going the way I wanted. Like, should I drop out? But running isn't always about performance mm. um, for personally for me. Um, and I had to remember, I put my body through a lot to get to this training, my body has requested for me to step back and focus on some more strain things in the middle of the cycle. So for my body to be able to get out there and still do 26 miles and feel, I mean, there's always <laughs> rough patches in the marathon, we're like, what am I doing? Um, but to still feel good of like, thank you, body, I'm proud of you. Thank you for for allowing me to be able to run marathons. Thank you for allowing me to have motivation to get up and run the miles that I need to run. And it was just a a reflection back of my body, my journey, mentally, physically, emotionally, all around of just showing up for myself. And sometimes that is just appreciating the day and the moment and the accessibility, um, because, because it is a privilege Yes, um, to be able to move, to be able to run, to be able to run that much. Um, And so that's kind of what it became of just the appreciation of, I never thought I'd be in this space. It wasn't a performance space, but there is a lot that I've shown up for myself and I am proud of to just be in that moment and to just continuing on the journey.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, I think that even in hard races, like I find myself, especially in the race environment, not necessarily like out on a training run by myself or whatever, like you just kind of look around and you're like, I get to be here like this is really fun, even when it hurts like and you don't always remember that when you're like nervous for a race or overthinking how bad it's going to hurt at mile 20 or 22. But like when you're actually physically there, what a cool experience. Mm -hmm. So, okay, Houston did not go as planned, but, you know, like you said, like learn all these things, even from the races that don't go as planned. Do you have something on your calendar? Like, are you going to run a marathon in the fall? What does your schedule look like?
1: Uh, I don't have a marathon on calendar yet. Um, I don't. I do think I'm going to step back. I don't know if it'll be fall. I don't know if it'll be next spring. Um, I'm, I'm putting a pause on, on, when the next marathon is going to be and when it's going to be on calendar. I want to see, um, yeah, I just want to see how things go right now. And then once I feel, you know, I can tackle a marathon. For sure, the next marathon I want to to feel strong going into. Um, and I, it's something that I do want to um, go after a time. Um, and I think I have to step back and put some other, some other training blocks in of spaces to, feel like, okay, I'm going to go after this time.
0: (laughs) What does your life look like when you're not training for something? Like how, you know, like how many miles a week are you running when you're just living your life?
1: Mm,
0: I'm not too sure. Like 50, 60 miles. Okay. That's like your natural go-to, like what you're comfortable. Yeah. And then when you peak out, when you're like, what's the highest you've peaked out at for a certain cycle? Uh, close to 80 miles. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting to hear that because some people at your level, I feel like they're running like 100, 110 and 80 seems like on the lower end. Is that because are you injury prone or do you just like, is that your happy place?
1: Um, to be honest, that's the happy place of being able to balance everything else. I think, (laughs) yeah, I think if I had all the time to put into, to putting in miles and to um, do all the uh, other extra things that are important to running. Um, I, I would, I doing those types of miles interests me and it's something I'm interested in. And also if I step back and if I pursue something like that and all my other stuff, like then it'll just be all running and I don't think that's a hundred percent me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's just, that's just what fits for all the other things that I have to manage. Um, doing miles like that interests me. Um, and also I just don't think it's, it's realistic.
0: Yeah. I think that's good that you recognize that you have to, you have to have some space to breathe. Are you excited for a break? Yeah,
1: I I'm ending my break. I'm excited to get back. Um, I'm excited to just, you know, I, I miss just running Yeah, Uh, kind of like those easy miles, um, kind of looking forward to, um, I still try to be mindful of, of where I'm at and who I'm running with. Um, just because I recognize we're kind of still in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I am, I'm interested to get more community runs in and stuff and also kind of finding the balance of like being safe
0: yeah, for sure. Um, all right, Grace, what's something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: Mm, I would say an extensive backpacking trip, um, like a, a international backpacking trip. Okay. Um, yeah, that's something I enjoy in nature. I enjoy being outside and being active in general, um, and backpacking is something – Um, I've always enjoyed, but with, with training and stuff, it could get hard. Um, and so if that's something I'd like to see a little bit more of and something bigger, I think it would be an international like backpacking trip.
0: Will you get weeks off in the summer with your program director job? Uh, yes and no. Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I still will be going on in summer, um, and doing like a summer program. Uh huh. Um so it's not the full summer I'll get off but there are pockets and windows of time that I'll get off.
0: Okay. Maybe maybe it'll be a summer thing at some point. The yeah. Yeah. Trip.
1: And I'll be happy with just a backpacking trip in general. It doesn't have to be international, but if one if I day? Could, yeah, yeah, if it, it's a goal one day to get there. Yeah. Um, to do a backpacking trip like
0: that. Um who's someone fun motivating or inspiring you would like to have coffee, tea or a cocktail with? Um
1: I want to say Des Linden. Mm. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. yeah. Um, the music interest or, or whatnot and just seeing the different things, um, adventure and stuff. Um, very similar to, you know, uh, transitions of different phases and, and recently doing the the longer run and stuff. Um, yeah.
0: Well, you have a Brooks connection. You can probably make yeah. that happen. Yes. <laughs> that
1: is, that, and maybe that's why because it's so in reach I'm kind of like yeah put someone
0: out there. I love it when people answer that question with something that's in, in reach like it like is, is a little long shot like can we make this happen but like it's it can happen because you yeah. know a lot of people will say like Oprah Michelle Obama which is all great but it's fun when it's something that like you could see coming to fruition
1: <laughs> yeah
0: um, what I know you mentioned the alchemist but what's another favorite book you've read
1: Another favorite book I've read. Um, mm, I, there's a lot. Um, the Eckhart Tolle. Mm, I've read a few. It's just giving me the the
0: new. I know what you're thinking. The, the new. Is it New World or? New yeah. I I don't know. I know. I remember when I remember. I don't know. I was in like high school or something when Oprah was like all over him and in, in that book and it became a big thing that was years ago but yeah I, somebody else also just recommended that book
1: yeah I've been seeing it pop up a little bit more maybe that's why it's it's fresh in my mind and circling back was, around yeah yeah and that was something like hey maybe I'm gonna check out that book again yeah yeah um I'm not someone to to rewatch watch or reread. um I don't know why It's just like okay I've done it like
0: you know I just feel like there's so many other things like we're never in our lifetime going to get to all the things that are good to read and watch. So I'm like, I don't want to waste time going back.
1: The other one that I have re reread, which is, it says a lot for me to reread, um, is Anthony Kiedis's autobiography. So okay. the Red Hot Chili Peppers Late really That one really I've reread read, I think more than twice.
0: Oh, I'm going to get that. I, it's I've really been good. to, I've been to one of a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. Um, before we had kids, we went to one really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I took myself on a, on a solo date to a red hot chili. You did? Concert because I spent a lot of money on the ticket and I wasn't gonna ask anyone to spend that much money on a ticket if they weren't as invested as I was. So I was like, okay,
0: I'm gonna go by myself. That's amazing. Um, I feel like you could be in the moment more if you go alone. Cause when you go to a concert with someone, you're like doing it together and whatever, but like alone, you can literally just be
1: yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly, I got like, got my drink, went straight up into like very front and center. Like I didn't have to carry anyone or like bathroom things or anything. I was like, okay, I'm here. That's kind of amazing. When was that? That was one of the re that was like, one of their last ones. Um, I want to say it was 2018, 2019. Wow. It was very, re- it was, it was not that long ago.
0: Okay. Cause we went one of, the,
1: one of the last concerts I've been to. Yeah. was before the, the pandemic. Season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, we must have went in like 2009, which it's just funny because it doesn't seem like that long ago. But when I say that, I'm like, that's a really long time. (laughs) I love the Stadium Arcadium album. I remember when that came out, and it was it's so good.
1: Yeah, I I I mean I've been a big fan for a while. I think by the way is. I like by the way. Yeah.
0: But some of there whatever the album is it's like Mother's something. Mother's Milk. Some of that is it's too too much for me. Like it's too loud and too too much screaming. That's I think that's why I like Stadium Arcadium so much. It kind of like there's some chiller vibes on it. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um okay, what is your Oh, before last message, what can we as a running community do to support Angel City Elite? Uh, I think would be spread the word. And if, if there's
1: um, anything that we feel aligns to other groups that you know, or other people that you know, um, network and, and let's make something happen. And that's the only, I mean, networking and coming up with something or, or reestablishing that connection is one of the ways to kind of make a, a ripple and change and make some things happen
0: awesome. We will link to everything with Angel City Elite in the show notes of this episode as well. Okay. What is your last message to leave with our audience today?
1: Mm, don't
0: forget to pause and enjoy life and maybe put on some music and dance. Maybe crowd surf, go to a concert alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to plenty of concerts
1: alone, actually.
0: That's so good. I sh- I could use some independence like that. I am so dependent on doing things with my husband like that would be really good for me probably yeah it's a different experience i think i've gone to a music
1: festival alone yeah
0: that's amazing uh grace thanks so much thank you i appreciated talking and and having some laughs and sharing with you all right everybody thanks so much for being here today thank you grace for sharing your story i loved getting to know you and i'm so excited for our listeners to get to know you if they don't already know you You guys can learn more about Angel City Elite when you go to angelcityelite.net. You can find Grace on Instagram. She is Grace underscore Pace over there. You can find me as well on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 And uh, you can follow our network and get updates on the show, sandyboyproductions.com on Instagram. And our website is sandyboyproductions.com. I guess there's no .com on Instagram, is there? Friends, thanks for being here. I appreciate you. Check out our sponsors. You know, the sponsors are, there's two ways that this show goes on, really. It's you all listening and it's sponsors supporting. So um, check them out if you're in the market for a gooder watch, if you want some amazing chapstick from Portland Bee Balm, and uh, if you need some new sunglasses, a gooder. Promo codes and all that are in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Uh, all right, friends, I hope you're having a great Friday, have a wonderful weekend. And as always, we'll see you next Friday. Actually, we're going to see you before that. Cause we're putting out some extra episodes, uh, the, these weeks, we're going to have an episode pop up with Elise Cranny, uh, should pop up on your feed on Monday. So, uh, all right, enjoy your day.